Welcome to another episode of This is Hot Boga. Uh, before we get started, we'd like to thank a few companies for making this podcast possible. First up is Sturka Optics. We've been using their glass for a long time and love the quality and the, the amazing warranty that they provide. If you want to learn more about Sturka Optics, go to sturkastrong.com. So next up is Hill People Gear. Uh, we've had them on as a guest before, and we've talked to some of the, the owners there, and they're a great bunch of guys. And Jimmy, you're actually, we're both running the Decker packs, yeah. and we can literally put anything we want yeah, into, into these packs. I mean, we, we go out with our, our ground blinds, our tree saddles, and everything else we might need, so we got out there. and Daughters. Daughters. daughters we'll throw a few kids in there, and we love it. They haul weight well, they're durable, American-made, and uh, an amazing company. Check them out at hillpeoplegear.com. We're avid outdoorsmen and conservationists, and it's important to us to work with brands that are both high-end and care about the world in which we live. Enter United by Blue. For those of you who don't know, United by Blue is an outdoor gear and apparel company that is dialed in on ocean and waterway conservation. We run a lot of their clothes just on the street. Jared went on a hot date with one and his wife the other day and uh, wore a few uh, United by Blue pieces. Really impressed her. Good quality product, good quality clothing. And for every purchase that you make, they remove a pound of trash out of the local waterways around you. And it gets better. When you uh, go to make a purchase, enter Hot Boga at checkout to get a uh, nifty little discount. Check them out at unitedbyblue.com. New breed archery. We love new breed archery. Uh, I've been shooting their bows for a while. A while is in a year? A while is in a year. It feels like longer. It does feel like longer. We're getting some new bows put together right now. Custom dipped. Jared, what are you going to be shooting this year? I'm going to be shooting the ETX 35. All right. And I'm going to be shooting the RK1 because I'm a true... Uh, true traddy? True, true trad hunter. And mine's going to be in some uh, really special custom colors, which I'm excited to announce, but I won't announce yet. Stay tuned. Head on over to New Breed. Look at their options. You might just fall in love. Before we get to the episode, I have one last announcement, and this is for our Michigan listeners. Our friends at Long Range Archery and Firearms are hosting their yearly open house this August 17 from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. This is the fifth year they've been doing this, and this will be the biggest, baddest, and best open house they've had yet. There will be prize drawings and giveaways, food, drink, and factory reps. Oh, and yes, of course, deals store-wide. We'll see you August 17 at 2530 Venomin Drive in Holland, Michigan from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's going to be an awesome time. We're really excited about it. Well, thanks. Does that for, sound okay? Uh, yeah, you sound great. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem, man. So I had kind of a busy day and kind of forgot until my alarm, my calendar went off. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And then yeah. literally after that, you just hit me up hit, us, hit me up on Instagram. and Yeah, we uh, we needed a little extra time. We do our backcountry fuel as Cody Rich sends us these backcountry fuels and, you know, we do a little review on them. We try each thing and then we make Jared blend them all together and drink it. So uh, we were finishing that up before you called in. So you had, what was your mixture today? We had a peanut butter and jelly bar. There were some gummies. We didn't do the beef jerky because I ate it beforehand. Yes. Uh, there's some uncooked grits, some mac and cheese. Coffee. Did you yep, coffee? a little coffee. Quite unpleasant, as you can expect, but you think how <laughs> he's charged for this podcast. I'm ready though. to go. Oh, that's good. That sounds like good. So, Dave, uh, before we go farther, you want to uh, introduce yourself and, and what you do? Yeah. So, Dave Andre, I just grew up in northern Utah most of my life. Backside of 43 years old right now. Been an avid hunter since about age 17 and just a huge passion of mine of, you know, mostly archery hunting and elk hunting is kind of my passion right now. Just 
chasing those things around, spending most of my time chasing those. You said you started at 17. Was that right into elk hunting or were you hunting something else like birds or anything when you were, when you were younger? Yeah, yeah, pretty much thrown right into archery hunting. My older brother and his buddies did a lot of, got into bow hunting pretty heavy. And, and then I started begging to tag along and start shooting yeah. the boat, picked up an old, you know, an old PS, PSE. I don't know why oh, I haven't yeah. said it. <laughs> PSE, yeah, yeah. That was my first boat too. I had a PSE Nova. Like a 35 yeah. pounds, not a great, uh, it was actually a great bow, but I wasn't great with it. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah, they were good bows. Good. Do- I mean, yeah, I think mine was a thunderbolt or something like that. Oh yeah. I actually know that one. Yep. Do you? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, we did a lot of bow hunting, a lot of bird hunting, mostly just, yeah, duck and geese chasing them around and just waiting for archery season to come around again and, and do that. Where did you grow up? Um, grew up in northern Utah, so we did a lot of hunting on the north slope of the Uenas around Flaming Gorge and kind of that area is nice, you know, real good hunting for public land area. So elk the whole time, that's got to be your favorite thing to hunt or is there like uh, something else that tops your list? Um, elk's been really what's topping it. I mean, a lot of guys love mule deer out here. I love chasing some good mule deer. I just think the rut of the elk is when you get into the elk screaming and you're interacting with them and you're chasing them. And, uh, it's just did my first bear hunt. Me and Brian went up to Canada this this spring, and and that that might be our new big passion. That's a oh really? That's a lot of fun. Did you guys bait or yeah. were you uh, spot stock? It was all spot and stock up there. They don't let bait, and there's plenty of there's a lot of bears up there. So we had you know a lot of stocks. It, about halfway through the hunt, kind of started sitting in. We're like, you know, these bears are predators. So they're not like an elk or deer, you know, a head on a swivel. They're not, you know, nervous all the time. Like they really don't care. They're just eating. And if someone, another bear comes in, they chase them off and they get pissed. And so you start getting into that close bow range on these bears and you can hear them eating the grass and, and huffing and puffing. And, you know, you're just like, either I better get a good shot on this thing or I'm going to really make you mad and, and he might charge me. Yeah. So, well, these are where, what part of Canada? We were up by uh, North British Columbia, just up along the Alaskan highway out of Fort Nelson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, you were bow hunting, I, I assume. Yep. Yeah. Bow hunting up there. Bow hunting for him. And so, you know, Jared and I have actually just recently kind of discussed bear hunting. Remember that Jared? Did we? We were talking about it on our 3d shoot. Oh yeah. And yeah. you were, you were hesitant to do it. You know, why were, why were you hesitant? So one of the reasons I guess I'm just a little hesitant for bear hunting is for one, I'm the main reason I hunt is because I enjoy the meat. Right. And because maybe since I haven't tasted bear before kind of puts me off to the whole aspect of hunting a bear. So I don't want to shoot a bear and then like not eat the meat. Would it help if I made you some bear meat? Have you made it before? Made bear meat? No, it's burger. So I just assume you make it like burger, but. Yeah, of course I'm going to try it. You'll try it. Okay. But I don't want to have, you know, 200 pounds of meat that I guess I could give it away. But I'll, I'll take it all, you know. Anytime Jared's got spare <laughs> game meat, he just throws it in my freezer and it's gone. Usually pretty quick. Sometimes. Sometimes. Well, no, it's, um, it's funny because actually I've got, a, I had a student, I teach uh, some night classes for a, a college, a local college, Dave. Like a student found out that I hunted on the last day of class. He brought me like. 20 pounds of different assorted varieties of bear meat so and he got an a obviously uh and he, he gave us a follow on instagram too so if you're listening man thank you so much anyways so bear hunting you said that would that changed you that's is that because it was more of a spot and stock type hunt and they weren't so alert all the time or what what kind of made it for you you know it's yeah i'm with you on i you know i definitely meat hunt i mean i love to keep my freezer full of all kinds of meat that I can, yeah. you know, off the, off the land. 
you know, bears, yeah, they're cute, but they're also a predator. So they have to be controlled. So, and up there, the numbers are so high that you get two tags and, you know, I feel both, both my tags in a week and Brian did too. And they Mm -hmm. got huge numbers up there in bears. So it's the, the one thing they do up there, obviously can't bring the beat back into the States, but there's a lot of tribe lands and a little bit of poverty around there that the meat goes to those tribes and those families that that they love you know so they butcher the meat and they take it and we'll we'll cook up some some good stuff while we're up there and and give the rest to them Uh, but i think just what was so much fun about it is like you say the hunting the predator it's Mm -hmm. it's two predators hunting each other right not just a predator chasing a you know an animal that's just great a grazing animal type so yeah, that's interesting. Totally different mindset. Yeah, it is. You said that the the tribes up there kind of will prepare some of the meat. Were you able to eat any of that while you're up there? Yeah, yeah. We uh, we grilled some up, and uh, you know, it's not. It's it's tough. It's a little tougher meat. Sure. It's not the best, you know, but it's it's meat. It's it's all right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it'll cook up. Nothing yeah, to write home yeah. about. Yeah. No. I mean, like mountain lion. I got mountain lion in my freezer that I feed people every now and then and it's yeah it's nothing to write home it's i guess i could say mountain lion you wouldn't pick it at the restaurant to eat it but it's right. okay yeah, yeah kind of after watching some of the the meat eater guys they just posted today yeah they did um, sandwich yeah they, they compare it to a lean piece of pork uh, i'm a big pork fan sometimes pork can be a little fatty for me Maybe Dave, would you, would you agree guy. with that yeah yeah it's kind of a white meat porky but it, yeah it's pretty lean it's it, it almost ha- feels like it has like sand in the meat somehow like when you're eating it kind of little gritty well, that's yep. cat litter yeah, yeah. That's cat litter. yeah. <laughs> cat litter. so i gotta yeah. i gotta ask when you were bear hunting did you uh take any bikes along with you yeah we did yeah in fact it was a guide tatonka river guide services up there and they got some bikes and and yeah we we just went up there with them to kind of get them familiar with them and do some hunting with them and yeah the bikes up there i mean yeah it's just game changers to be able to get around and, and silently and get past them on the other side of the, the wind where, you know, the biggest thing up there for the bears just getting out of their wind. Yeah. So, um, tell, tell us a little bit about, you know, your company, you know, I mentioned bikes to tell everybody kind of what, mm-hmm. what that, what that is. Yeah. Yeah. So about four years ago, well, I'd say when I first started hunting years back, we used to do a lot of mountain bike hunting on logging roads and stuff like that. Yeah. And kind of gave it up just cause it got so hot, you know, you couldn't, even though it was super cold, you would, get to where you're going and then you start sweating, you know, then you're cold. Yeah. And you, so anyways, kind of gave that up about four years ago, I kind of started seeing the e electric bike thing happening. And so got me interested and in seeing some of the companies starting, but just a lot of the components and electric bike stuff that they were building for hunting just couldn't hold, they just didn't hold up. And so we did a ton of, you know, R and D and on different models and took a while to kind of, get to where we felt perfected to handle steep terrain, rough terrain, yeah. off-road type stuff. And then we've been, yeah, building backcountry e-bikes. It's our company name, backcountry e-bikes. Kind of really building them for any type of hunting, but really more off-road hills and rough terrain. Were you a cyclist growing up? Like, did you race uh, I or was, yeah. Kind of for fun? Uh, just more for fun. You know, I do every a couple of triathlons each summer, you sure. know, just to kind of prepare for something. Brian, uh, my brother-in-law, it's a, the, my partner in the business. He's, he's completed the three Ironman. So he, he, wow. he, he, he rides a lot more than I do. He, you know, cycles on big teams. In fact, he took, well, he should have took first, but he let his buddy take first on a mm-hmm. called loaded jaw race up here. It goes from Logan, Utah up to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. It's like 210 mile wow. road race 
bike race and through mm-hmm. the mountains, you know, mountain climbing, and, but not through the mountains, but road asphalt. Yeah. So it's road mm-hmm. bikes, about yes. an eight hour ride. Yeah, that's, <laughs> uh, that's seven hours longer than I need to be on a bike anyway. That's right. But, um, that's bad of, for your boys yeah. after a while. I think yeah. I, <laughs> I need a cushy yeah. seat. <laughs> One that has a big, those big wide bot for the fat bottom girls, yeah. you know, uh, those kind of seats. That's what, Jared needs one of those. that's what I'm cooking back there. <laughs> Before we move on, I wanted to take a minute to thank one of our show sponsors, Pelican Coolers. These coolers are extremely tough and backed by a lifetime warranty. But what I like most about our coolers is that as tough as they are, they can be opened with the push of a button. So it'll keep the bears out, but you won't have any trouble getting in. And it gets even better. Right now, if you type in pelicancoolers.com slash hotboga, you'll get a free tumbler with the purchase of any cooler. And We all use the uh, 32-ounce tumbler, and it does an amazing job at keeping hot drinks hot for a very long time and cold drinks cold for a very long time. I'm going to do something maybe a bit unusual or something that I haven't done yet, but I'm going to throw out a James D. Guarantee, which is something I don't just toss around willy-nilly. I'm going to James D. Guarantee that if you buy one of these coolers, you'll have the best cooler experience you've ever had, and you'll be changed as a person for the better. Your life will be totally different from here on out. So don't take my word for it. Go check them out for yourself. Pelicancoolers.com slash hotboga. And now back to our show. Um, yeah. Yeah. So kind of going yeah. back to the company here, Dave, can you explain kind of what an e-bike is? I know what it is. James knows what it is, but some people might not know what an e-bike yeah. is. So can you just kind of explain that a little bit? Yeah. An electric bike, basically it's, you know, you're, you're taking a mountain bike and putting a, you know, either there's a hub motor in the rear wheel or a mid drive motor that goes on the the pedals area, the the crank. And then there's a battery. And basically what that does is either you can have like a throttle to kind of just not have to pedal. It's just going to power the chain or the hub, or as you're pedaling, it's adding assistance to your stroke, kind of like a transmission. So, you know, as you put the pedal down, it's going to add more power to your stroke. So you're just less effort to ride the bike. More out of each pedal. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And there are some that have no pedals. Like pedaling is not required, right? There, there's, there's types yeah. of e-bikes. Yeah. We have one called the Puma that's, it started with pedals and some chain, a uh, chain drive and different things, but it'll, it'll hit 60 miles an hour. And so when you're wow. off road, I mean, it's like a full motorcycle type thing and the chain just, it, it didn't do anything. So we thought, let's just get rid of it. It's slapping. It's, bouncing off doing things going that fast mm-hmm. so now it's designed basically just kind of twist throttle motorcycle it looks you know, like a, it looks like a dirt bike like it's i swear i had something like that growing up you know yep it's kind of a crossbreed between a fat tire mountain bike and a, and a motorcycle it's kind of in between it's not full motorcycle to handle like that heavy dirt bike riding but right. definitely built better than a mountain bike yeah it's a lot of fun it really is uh, the other question I, I had you is, you know, I'm looking at these bikes, the Puma, the Storm, Mule, Stalker. What's with this Stalker as opposed to like, it, you know, there's the normal looking bike with some, you know, batteries and stuff attached, but that, that bike's got like smaller tires. What's the purpose behind a design like that? So the Stalker, yeah, it's a, it's a rear hub motor. It's a 20 inch wheels by four inch. So it's a fat tire, but they're a little yeah. smaller. It, it's a foldable bike. So it folds up. It's kind of designed for you know, someone that wants to just put it in the back of the SUV or limited on space, you can put it about anywhere, fold it up and get it, get to where you're going, pull it out and fold it back up and uh, hit the trail. 
I mean, I it's, like that. It'll handle, yeah, it'll handle some good off road, but you know, it's kind of a, you know, shoot into your tree stand, do some hunting, come out, yep. you know, things like that. How heavy is it? Um, it's right around 62 pounds for them. E-bikes are a little, he- you know, obviously a lot heavier than right. a regular mountain bike. You have probably 12 pounds in the battery and 10 pounds in the motor. And then the bike itself is kind of built a little more rigid than normal to handle the added torque and, and you know, pressure on the e-bike. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, I got to ask, are, you know, you mentioned you, you started seeing e-bikes pop up and you decided to, you know, kind of jump into it. Are, have e-bikes been around for a while or is it like a new thing? No, they've been around for a long time. The, in the U.S., they're, we're kind of last to really catch on to it. I mean, in Europe, Asia, and yeah, everywhere. Just we're probably five to eight years behind okay. a lot yeah. of the other countries. And it's probably due to, you know, we have a little stricter regulations of import and, you know, battery safety and things like that where other countries don't. So they'll let yeah. them, you know, get away with a little bit more. But no, they've been around, they've been around for quite a while. But I think now that they're getting a lot more popular is, and, and obviously a lot better is the battery technologies came a long way. So right. now, now the batteries are built so you can actually get 30, 40, 50 miles on a, a bike ride instead of five miles. So. Yeah. Is that on flat terrain or is that going to be out, out in the country? So, yeah. So, I mean, it definitely, it, it depends on the terrain and mm-hmm. you know how heavy the rider is with the gear or trailer. But we, we tested four bikes with four our, out September last year, elk hunting, and we averaged 34 miles before we had to charge the battery from, you know, hills to coming down, flat stuff. So, and that was averaging two to three on the pedal assist area, which is, you know, you're still getting a lot of assistance, so you're not having to work as hard. So yeah. I've had guys get 80 miles before on a, on a bike down in New Mexico or, you know, kind of on flat land where they're. Uh, we, could, we could get pretty far out here in Michigan. There's not yeah. a whole lot of hills. There's yeah. hills. There's not a lot of steep hills. No. What's, uh, what's the charge time look on these bikes? Does it take like all night slow charge or is it charge up pretty quick? It charges up pretty quick. They, the, all the bikes come with the two amp charger. And they're all 48 volts. And it takes, say, if the battery's like really 10, 10, 20% left, then it'll take about four hours to charge. Okay. Um, yeah. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. And we're off, we're going to start offering a five amp charge that you can almost charge a battery in about an hour. So that's sweet. Well, I would imagine too, if you have to plug into your car to charge that like five amp would probably Mm -hmm. save you a lot of time because those charge pretty slow. Exactly. Yep. Um, Yeah. You mentioned uh, regulations and I know that, you know, speaking of totally different types of regulations, but uh, there are some around, you know, the use of bikes, especially in the back country. So BLM land or U.S. Forest Service land. What, what are some of the issues that surround, you know, the use of e-bikes? Because this isn't just, you know, this is kind of like your classic, you introduce a new technology and there's a lot of debate that comes yeah. along with it. The drone you know? usage. Exactly. Yeah. Well, how, how has that gone? What, what are some of the, um, the regulations around the use of these things? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good question. Everybody's kind of worried about it, but I think the future is, is, is bright. I think it's really good because yeah. we're working with a lot of federal land and they're want, you know, as they, as the rules state now is if any type, any vehicle is not just human powered, it's considered yeah. motorized, but they are looking to change that because obviously times have changed and these are great tools to use in, you know, hunting and getting around areas. I mean, I would probably say 80%, 70 to 80% of our customers are 60 and older. Yeah. And these, 
let them get out and do a lot more, enjoy the, the hunting and the, the backcountry. And so we got a lot of following to help deal with the, the rules and, and get some changes. And but yeah, I mean, just check your local regulations. Every, every state's kind of different. Every type of land that you're on is yeah. going to have different regulations. A lot of them are just basically saying, we're just going to educate someone. If they, if they find them on a trail that they're not supposed to be, they'll just say, Hey, you know, this, you're not supposed to be here. You know, tell them they're working to really make things e-bike friendly as much as possible. The thing I always tell a lot of guys is the only complaints that the DWR, you know, the wildlife resources yep. are getting is other people calling and complaining. We can minimize that. And that means, you know, if you're going past other hunters, don't be using your throttle and don't go 30 miles an hour past them. Just, you know, right. just ride past Basic them. etiquette. I mean, this yeah. applies yeah. with how you like handle any relationship on the trailhead. Requesting a You know, by. like your, your trailhead yeah, uh, demeanor and uh, the way that you talk to people is, I mean, whether or not you have a bike, if you're that guy that, you know, it's going to piss people off either way, you're going to do it either way. So that's true. exactly. I'm not, yeah. no, you've seen me. <laughs> I am very diplomatic on the trailhead. Yeah. For that one time. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it's, there's a, you know, I, I do, I, I did some reading on this. I've heard some guys talk about, it. I mean, there is some debate about wilderness versus the accessibility and, you know, how do you want to balance those two competing interests? Some say that, you know, well, we want this to be untouched and bikes can be hard on trails or, uh, the other side is, well, you know, these are our lands, so I want to be able to access my land. And so, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of debate about it, but it seems like, to me, it seems like just a great thing. Like you mentioned, you get in there scent free, quiet, fast. I mean, if it's motorized, you're not so sweaty when you walk out there. Yeah. And you're doing the other hunters as such a huge, you know, if it's an ATV area, we do a lot of hunting that we could ride our ATV in right, a truck, but we're yep. riding bikes, you know, and it's silent. We're not, I've been in hunting on my bike and the guy's coming in on an ATV right at light and, you know, at the perfect time, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You know, That's it's like, worst. yeah. And so, yep. you know, speaking, speaking of high wilderness, you know, a lot of areas in Utah and around here, if it's high wilderness, they don't even allow any wheeled vehicle at all like even a like a like a cart or a pedal bike yeah so yep. some of that yeah it's just pretty much yeah don't it's it's a no-go in that area yeah it's it's interesting i mean the, the, i don't know the we, we've tried bikes but we we live in michigan so we've got tons of hunters and so we are very well aware of what an atv cruising past you right at first light can do you know especially when we're up you know jared those logging roads back oh, yeah. there that just cruise around we see guys even just going to get their groceries with their ATVs. Remember yep. that? And like mm -hmm. driving past and like, shoot, you know, right, right when you felt like you had a good, you know, things working in your favor, but you have Walmart bags. I know. He's <laughs> yeah, driving by. It's like snowing. He's cruising around with a bag of a load of Walmart bags in his stand, truck. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's an interesting debate. And I, I know that there's probably some to it, but you know, like you mentioned, the benefits are, are it's just a cool thing. Um, mm -hmm. we, Jared and I have both uh, seen it, even just regular bikes. Remember that grouse? We we literally yeah. biked a foot away from a. I could have punted that grouse. Yeah, he would have Yeah, right when right when we got off our bike, it was gone. Mm -hmm. But on the bike, it just looked at us and it just kind of laid down, which was pretty yep. pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. We did, we spent some time whitetail hunting out in Kansas or Nebraska this last November with the guy with some area and the guy. You know, here's mm -hmm. our ATV. You can use it to head out and. We're like, now, nah, you know, we brought our bikes and we went out and, and yeah. he ended up buying four bikes off us because the deer <laughs> was twice as good. Of course. When we would ride our bikes that week because they, you know, they're getting educated now. They know yeah. when an ATV runs out there in the dark and shuts off, 
you know, they're like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna stay here a little longer. And yeah, when they're not hearing anything, they're they're moving around. Especially whitetails. I mean, yeah, I, I got. I know Nebraska has a little bit less hunter pressure, but I mean, if we like Michigan, if we were to do that, mm-hmm. deer are. I mean, they're instantly going to peg you, and they'll know. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a big yep. big benefit. So what, you know, you guys have been doing this for a while. How did, how did that start? Was it you and you mentioned your brother-in-law? Was that right? Yeah, my brother-in-law, Brian. Brian. Yeah. Well, I started it, yeah, about uh, about four years now. And I was building a few and selling them to some guys locally and, and building them for myself. And, mm-hmm. you know, I it was getting to be, I did a, a big hunt expo and, and had the bikes and to get some feedback from some people. And everybody was just loving them. But I realized... I need, I need product. Like I need, I gotta, either I'm going to do this or I'm not. And I realized that there was a huge, one of the world's biggest like bike manufacturing show overseas in like a couple of weeks. And so I Hmm. got my visa. My wife said, well, you're not going by yourself. So I took my dad on a trip over to Taiwan and, and uh, (laughs) went over there, like got our visas, like approved the day before we left. And yep. We went over and found, met with a bunch of different manufacturers and parts guys and started with a small order and it's just been growing from that. Just, yeah. I mean, so about two years ago, it got to be where I needed just a little bit different. Brian's, a, we've been hunting probably, you know, 15, 20 years together. He was with me doing a lot of R and D with the bikes on the mountain. I mean, there's a few times he would leave a bike that would break down on him and just kick it on. He's like, you're going, I'm like, come on. All right. So I go over <laughs> figure out what went wrong with it and you know and that's what we wanted we've been doing is just figuring out what what could happen and and be ready for it or fix it and adjust things I and mean, we've gone through we would take you know 20 different sets of pedals out to the mountain right. and, and change pedals and see which one handles boots and mud and and we would do that with handle grips and uh test handle grips for and, gloves on and stuff hmm. yeah 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 making so they didn't twist on you because a yeah. lot of handle grips after a while they kind of twist and roll yeah and they get gross uh, or, or uh the 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 uh, pedals that you mentioned is actually pretty cool because the the like issues i've always had with pedals is i'm slipping off all the time like the mm-hmm. typical bike pedal just kind of sucks for yeah you know, with that. hunting boots on yeah too, hunting you know, boots on hiking boots or, yeah yep yeah then you get some mud on your boots, boots yeah. Mud. yep exactly All right, I'd like to take another minute to do another First Steps with First Light, a segment where we cover hunting basics with the pros from First Light. This week, we talk with Kevin Harlander, community manager at First Light, and we're going to be talking through uh, what you're, how you're shooting your bow in the off season. So, Kev, what does your practice routine look like? That's a great question. There's lots of schools of thought here. I, I t- tend to approach this sort of like I would uh, athletics or prepping for a baseball season or something like that. So, in the off season, I think it's good to set the bow down for at least a couple weeks post season. Just kind of let your system clear out. I think it's good to take a breather. So once you turn back towards the season I like to shoot my bow at least once a week at 30 yards during the winter just to keep my mechanics right so at that point I'm focusing on anchor point steadying my shot settling my pin and just kind of keeping things routine and I'm trying to re-establish the mechanics and fundamentals of, of good shooting once I'm like three to four months out from the season I usually shoot at least three times a week with different drills whether that's at yardage different angles holding my bow and then letting down after a minute and I like to try to not forget to take some time 
during the season to shoot as well. Just like batting practice before a baseball game, it's, it's important to warm up for what you're doing. So a lot of guys, as soon as they hit the season, they don't shoot their bow, but it's important to bring a target with you um, to camp or, or to wherever, to the cabin and fling a couple arrows at lunch or, or whatever you're trying to accomplish just to make sure that you're staying sharp. Great, Kev, thanks again. Um, we'll uh, talk to you again soon. So how'd you pick a, a pedal that, what were you looking for or what kind of what makes your pedal effective for, um, for having a Yeah, boot? we just tried a bunch of different ones and, you know, trying to figure out what, you know, they all say, oh, you know, the mud doesn't hold here. So we would just find the best one that we felt like our foot did not slip at all. And, yeah. uh, you know, with spikes on it and, uh, but minimal mud area collecting. And yeah, we just, you know, that's kind of, you there's just little details that we kind of put into the bikes and been out in the field testing. And, you know, we've sent them to uh, big hunters that go out all the time and, and they'll come, they'll take them out and come back and say, yeah, tell us what you, what you like, what you didn't like until we get to where, where yeah. we're at now and just kind of make, trying to make it just a perfect bike to handle all types of terrain. And yeah, you know, a little R and D. It's awesome. Who, who designs these? Is it you or is it kind of a collaboration? Um, yeah, I first started designing the frame. We come up with our frame design about three years ago. Then we've just kind of, we're looking at, we've just designed a, our new storm. It's called the G2 and it's, we're moving back to our first storm was a four higher. It was a three inch by 27 and a half. We wanted to go, you know, fat tires kind of just once people ride a fat tire, they just enjoy it much more. It just feels more stable and more traction on the ground yeah, and going yeah. through loose material. And so we wanted to do a fat tire full suspension. And, and uh, so we kind of got it dialed in and a good solid frame on it. So yeah. sometimes it's full suspension bikes with that added torque. It can, you know, kind of pull the frame with the yeah. suspension. So we really made sure that they don't pull the frame at all and can handle it, you know, off road with that yeah. heavy. You know. mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're mentioning this and I'm, I'm thinking of all the ways that you get in, but now I'm, you know, all this talk is making me think I'm, I might be actually successful with one of these bikes. And if I am, what, what do you do afterwards? Uh, can these bikes haul anything? Um, what do you do with it? I put in my, uh, the 30 point buck, put it down here in Michigan. What, how do I, what's my move? What's my next move? So yeah, for sure. We have, you know, three different trailers that hook up to the bike that are really nice that can put your, there's a deer cart one that I actually really like deer hunting because you can take the cart, you know, if you can't get the bike all the way out or something, you take the trailer, it turns into kind of a cart. You can get out and get the, clean the deer out and get it up on the trailer, pull it yep. over the bike, hook it up and, and just pull it right out. You know, bigger game, you know, sometimes if we can't get a trailer, we'll quarter an elk and yep. put it on our back and you know, and just ride out with it on your back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it takes two trips to get it all, it's better than four trips oh, on foot. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. how yeah. how much how much weight can they support? You know, is it like a like a Jared with elk is much different than a mm. me with an elk on my back? A huge weight difference. What's the max weight that those things are going to carry? So our bikes are rated for three hundred pounds. So you know, if if the rider's two hundred and you know you can put about a hundred pound gear on your back with something on the rear rack the racks are rated for about 50 pounds on the rear rack so 300 pounds uh, that's two jimmies i could that's fit two a, jimmies yeah it's two jimmies yeah i could that i could pull take a lot of uh, elk out with that that's one mic yeah. that's half a mic off <laughs> yeah actually you know you know i'm thinking about it there's there's a, there's a couple companies out there that do this I'm sure they're all great but uh what's kind of what's the thing that separates you from them what what sets you apart 
Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, they're they've been good. They're good companies putting making the helping with the e-bike. You know, changing things, the rules yep. and regulations, and helping with the things and just kind of making the whole movement move along. Kind of what we focus on is we really try to be there for all of our customers. You know, we call all of our customers tribe members. So buy a bike, they become a tribe member, customer service. You know, I mean, we really try to be accessible with our website, with phone. And, you know, a lot of our phone system texts us messages. There's five of us that we can, you know, try to respond anytime to help out. I did like that about even just getting a hold of you. You know, you and I had texted many times before even talking on the phone. And I appreciate that a lot. Well, I I had tried to call and I got stuck in the airport all day. Uh, I was trying to fly into New York and they, there was fog and some helicopter crashed into a building. So they sent us to Albany. I was on the plane for like seven hours. I was like, I was feeling bad, Dave, that I was putting you off, but I truly could not help it. I blame, I think it was, We'll bleep that out. It was bleep, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I, but I did appreciate. It. I, I felt like you, you know, if you're you're doing that for me, I'm, I'm sure you're doing that for your customers as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate it. No, we tried to, and I, I know even that that couple of days we were pretty busy, and I, yeah, we were missing each other a few times. But mm, yeah, yeah, you know, that's what I feel like. Kind of what we're focusing on is is really trying to make it a, a user a good user experience on the bikes. Like I said, most of our customers are sixty and over. Most of them have never even ridden a bike in a long time. Right. Um, they're not bike guys, so they don't really know much about them. And we really are trying to put a lot of uh, material together for to educate people on electric bikes, you know, yeah. kind of the because there's a huge spectrum of motors and batteries and a lot, a lot of people just, yeah. yeah, and a lot of them feel like they're all the same, like, oh, e-bike's the same, right? No, there's there's a big difference. And then, you know, what we do with our Mule and our Storm, kind of the, our really most popular bike that we spend a lot of time with is our Ultra motor. So the motor that we run on our bike is made by Bafang Ultra, got it in a 1000 or a 750 watt. And I mean, this motor is really their state of the art, but Fang's been around for about 23 years doing, you know, electric motors and electric stuff, got into electric bike conversion kits. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a Netherlands Chinese company. And so they have been doing a lot of conversion kits for a long time, which they really got some, you know, some of the most bulletproof they sell more than anybody in the U S yeah. uh, kits. And then they wanted to start competing with some of the big German companies, you know, some of the big, you know, U.S. companies specialized, Bosch, Rose, Bulls, and those guys. And so they've got a few older model mid-drive systems, and then they really went all out to build this ultra motor. And it's just, yeah, it's the big thing about it. It's got an integrated torque cadence and speed all built together in the motor. So the biggest thing is the torque sensor in that motor. So it knows how hard you're pushing on the pedal the power to the bike to the rider feels natural it it knows how fast you're going how hard you're going to pedal and then the power feels natural it's not a predetermined power like a lot of v-bike right like kind of awkward feeling yep yeah we call it kind of like the cruise control kicking on and off and uh but the ultra it doesn't do that it kind of just it flows with the foot. I mean, it just really is natural. Yeah. And, and one thing, uh, just uh, as I was kind of looking at some of the stuff you guys make is uh, your chargeable solar panel. Mm. You bring that out. I feel like you could just keep going yeah, uh, yeah. as long as it's sunny out. <laughs> and it How doesn't long? need too much sun. That was kind of one thing I thought of when, when I first started doing this. I'm like, you know, if I'm going to take this bike, you know, back country, like hunting somewhere, 
obviously I'm not going to have pull a generator back there or pull power back there. So we've got to have a solar panel. Yeah. And so I spent quite a bit of time trying to find a company to make those and then find volts versus amps and, you know, right. how to make this work and uh, make it, do we want a 200 watt or a 100 watt? I mean, how long we got, to, you know, exactly to, to make it versatile and make it work. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Well, what was the most challenging part of putting this thing together? The solar panel, you think? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. How, how, how did um, that go? You know, the challenging, once I kind of started getting to where I, the direction, it was, it was coming down to cost. Like, so if someone, it was cost versus how quick it charged. So mm-hmm. would they rather have a, a cheaper panel for $500, but it's going to take, you know, seven or eight hours to charge and, and, and it would be lighter or would they pay another three or 400 to cut that time in half to go a 200 watt panel to charge the bike in four hours out right. in the sun? I think that's, that's kind of where we, everybody felt. Yeah. I'd rather, I think I'd rather have quicker charge time than invest in first, pay a little more for the panel, but then I'm going to save a lot of time out on the mountain charging. Well, so I, you know, we've talked a bit about kind of what, it, what they are and how they work um, and kind of where you come from, but let's, let's talk a little bit about like using them and specifically maybe like, you know, best practices when you're using a backcountry bike. So well, the first question that came to mind is we're, we're deer hunters. We're going to be doing some tree saddle hunting this year, which is kind of new for us, but kind of exciting. And say I'm taking a back, a, a bike out. Are you parking it right by the tree that you're going in? Or are you kind of parking it farther away and walking in? Or where do you put your bike when you get to where you're going? Like, especially for like a deer hunt. I would put it maybe 150 yards away. I wouldn't okay. put it right by it. You know, you just never know if it, reflect something or you know the deer kind of what is that i don't think they're going to be too worried about the smell you know if they smell some of but i think it might just be a little more that doesn't look natural right there some guys will bring it in pretty close and then lay it down by a tree or something kind of get it out of the way but yeah that's throw some camo netting over it throw it you know hide it down i'm always carrying that stuff with me when i go out anyways Mm -hmm. yeah i mean we've got we're trying to build some really nice rain fly covers for them so camel so you can just kind of even throw that over over them and then if you you know it's always raining or something going on yeah, to kind of keep that stuff off your bike is is good so when, so when you're elk hunting are you cruising and kind of doing what the born and raised guys call like the cat road shuffle and just kind of you know listening for bugles and bugling as you go down these logging roads or what's your approach to elk hunting with uh with these bikes yeah we do a lot of that we'll uh we know sometimes if we know where the 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 elk have been moving around instead of having to walk, you know, a mile down the logging road or, or in there. The area we hunt in northern, up in Idaho now, we'll take our eight, our side by side, you know, in yeah. about four miles, park it. We have our bikes, you know, they're locked up. We take the batteries back to charge if we need. And then, then we get on the bikes. Oh, you leave the bikes out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just leave them out. You know, we have a little bike rack that we can, but there's really no nets just driving them back and forth because the trail's bumpy and bikes. So, so we'll leave them, get in there in the morning and, and then get on them and, and then ride into the mountain and it's silent. And I, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, everybody can confess it. You, you hear out there and you hear ATVs coming by, the animals, they just are, it changes the day. It really does change the yeah. day unless some crazy bull doesn't care, you know, and he's still right. screaming. But yeah, we'll, we'll ride in and, and, you know, stop on the road and let some bugles off in the dark and see if we get something screaming back. And then we'll just kind of hang there for a minute. If, you know, we don't hear much, we'll, we'll move on down the road a little more. And, yeah. and we've located quite a few. Sometimes we'll be just hiking around, you know, leave the bikes down by the road and we'll hear one 
clear yeah. back on the other ridge and then we'll just get down to the bike and ride them ride them over there we chased two bulls that way this last year and we would get over there so fast and we would bugle like kind of stop a little bit bugle again to keep him yeah. talking because we covered so much ground to get over there to them those elk were coming in so intense that right it, yeah i mean they were ready to go if we could get off the bike and, and get get in this position quick enough it was uh it was a good it was fun yeah did you get an elk this year i missed one shot and i hit one and man those things are so tough we ch- we yeah that's a that's the sore spot for me so <laughs> Is it, hey, i went this year i didn't hardly see anything so I, maybe it's better than that so you, you hit it did you hit it good or was it a bad hit or what happened no it was a good hit i mean it was a good he came right in 40 yards it was right at that last light but it didn't i mean i i got a good hit on him and he he bolted and i mean i was cow call he didn't stop at all and wait we went and looked a little bit that night and then we came back in in the morning and i thought i just well i'll come down the road further and i'll I'll call for my i was with my brother-in-law and his boy and and yeah. i said we'll go down this way and then i'll then i'll head over here when it gets a little lighter and start looking again for him and as we were heading down the road on the bikes it looked like it was like maybe a, almost a mile past where I had shot the bull the night before. Right. And it looked like an elk was walking, peeing down the road. And it was, I'm like, what is there? Hang on. And I stopped and put the flashlight down and it was blood. Really? So he had peed all the way down to the road and it was just his tracks and one cow. And so I'm like, ah. and so he followed that cow down the logging road for probably a half a mile, wow. three quarters of a mile, and then turned and went up the hill. And as soon as he turned and started heading up the hill, his blood just stopped. Do you think it was fatal or do you think he, he survived? I don't, you know, we looked over that mountain for like two days and yeah, yeah it's tough. Those that things is are tough. tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I we've mean, had, we've had some of those too, where it's like, you know, I, I saw Jared pinwheel a buck. We followed that thing and we followed it and it just, I don't know what happened. Yeah. It was I a good s- shot. Smoked him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I feel it, it I mean, eats you up, but you do what you can. You practice all summer, you know. You try to track them. You hunt as hard as you can, and the time comes, and it yeah, that that does make for a sore spot that you don't forget. But it's good. I feel like that's good motivation, right? Failure is the best. Yeah, that is. What would you differ do differently about that hunt? You know, if we're looking at that from a kind of failure as a great teacher, what what uh, what'd you learn from that hunt? You know, yeah, that hunt. I mean, I don't know. We got that week perfect in Idaho. We we were getting into some every morning and night. They were just screaming. Just it was a lot of fun. I, I even the you get into elk when they're just screaming and you know hollering yeah. at each other. And we really didn't have to do too much calling because it seemed like they were just popping off back and forth. They didn't really care about each other like coming in much. Right. They just wanted to sit and scream and bugle and. What and, what uh, time of the year was it? What were the dates that you were there? And location, uh, uh, give me some coordinates. Yeah. Some GPS coordinates. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah no, I'll, anytime you guys want to come out, yeah. We, <laughs> usually, we usually hit about, and it, you know, it, it differs. Uh, it was the third week of September we, we've been finding is the best. We'll usually head up and go a couple days the, first, the second week and just kind of see what's happening. And, and if it's not, then we'll head back down and, and wait to the next week. And we're weekday hunters up through there because we don't see anybody through the weekday. And oh, no. We get yeah. all the people coming out on their the weekend warriors that had come out for a day yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a good year i can't really say like you say just just shoot shoot more and practice you know i mean yeah. i missed two days before and and so that and i it was kind of a quick he came up draw i should have just i thought he's gonna bust so i just i didn't have time to range him or anything right. 
shot over his back. And so the next, you know, when I thought, okay, if I get another shot, I'm going to just take my time, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. breathe, everything. And yeah, I mean, I it felt good. I mean, it felt real good. And I, yeah. And it ha- you don't know at the end yeah. of it. Yeah. Some so things just weren't meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. I hate, hate to admit it, but it's like, that sucks. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the bikes really just love hunting on them. There's so many advantages to them that it's, yeah, I mean, it's just something, it's a passion company that we've, we kind of started and it's really grown into a good, a big company now that we're in uh, selling and just trying to really make a really great product for people and change the way people hunt. You know, a lot of people get these and they, I mean, they really plan their hunt around the bike because it right. can really make things happen and go into different areas that they couldn't before because they're having to hike, you know, eight miles on foot to get in and out and now they can you know burn in there in 20 minutes yeah. and- mm-hmm. well these new tools can kind of change all your strategies i mean like i was saying jared and i are talking uh we're, we're doing these arrow saddles and that totally changes where we hang our stands and so that, that requires an entirely different way of thinking mm-hmm. to you know throwing bikes That's for example true. and it's totally changing how you get there where you yeah. go it opens up a lot of different opportunities yeah so you haven't which really is cool opportunity to explore before right so you got big plans for uh 2019 um big hunts planned yet other than the uh, epic bear hunt that you guys had so far yeah we did get we got lucky this year well i mean me and brian we drew out wyoming okay. both had 10 points up in wyoming so yeah pretty sure we were going to draw the unit that we put in for we put in for we drew seven and uh we should yeah it's, that'll be the, the last week of september we're going to probably plan idaho the second week uh, probably do a little bit more early, maybe try to catch them on some water holes or something. Yeah. Uh, you guys do Idaho. a lot of like ambush hunting when you're doing hunting the water holes? Yeah. Yeah. Like we'll sit and wait cause they'll come into them at night and stuff. If they're not yeah. talking. Yeah. We'll probably try to set up some, cause we've kind of, where we've been hunting probably the last seven years up there. We kind of know their patterns a little bit more to where they like to move through. So I'd feel a little more comfortable putting tree stands up now. It's not my favorite way to hunt elk, but if they're not talking, it's great. So we'll do it. Yeah. You know, and then we'll hunt Utah. We'll probably Utah is kind of nice now. They did a multi-season. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, tag. Yeah, before in Utah is either you buy an archery elk tag and you could only hunt the archery season. And the deer is that way still. Like you buy an archery, you only hunt the deer. If you buy a yeah. rifle, you hunt the rifle. The elk now you can buy the multi-season and then you can hunt bow, rifle, or muzzle loader until you get one. Yeah, that's Idaho's pretty sweet. Kind of, Especially when you're dropping some good cash to, to hunt out of state to do that, you know. Yeah, yeah, it makes it a little flexible so you can kind of, you know, get back up there. And, you know, Idaho's that way too. You can go up, yep. hunt with the bow, and then if you don't, you can go back up with a rifle, and, and then it's either a cow or a spike for the late season. So depending on the A or B tag you get up there. And then I assume you're, you're coming out to Michigan for some trophy whitetail hunting, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> let us know. I know we'll we'll be out there. We put in for Kansas and okay, we drew yep. one in Kansas this year. So that would be fun. Should good be hunting. Fun. There. Yeah, we're we're headed to Wisconsin this year, which is pretty exciting. Some good hunting good. out there. Not too we're far hoping. away. I hope it's good hunting. Yeah. We'll see. It could be terrible hunting. We'll see how we do using our our maps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you say, the tools that we use now is just. I mean, I remember before even. GPS. I remember my first Garmin GPS. It just gave right. me an arrow, you know, and you yep. put a waypoint. It just pointed, and you sometimes it 
you felt like you're going the right way, but you just had to trust that arrow. You know? Yeah, exactly. You're just kind of, uh, you're, as long as it's tracking you, that's what I always did to have it track me, but there's no, yeah. it's like, it could be anything between you, between you and where you need to go. It's not really even yeah. showing that at the very beginning of some of those GPS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It could be a cliff or something. You don't know. That's right. You cliffed out and yeah. that's a bad day when you're tired and you get cliffed out and you're like, dang it, I got to go all the way back around. <laughs> well, yeah. Dave, uh, we're, we're running up on time here. Like I said before, we just appreciate you coming on. Uh, great to, to learn about backcountry e-bike and, you know, kind of the story behind how you guys started. But before we let you go, you want to tell people how they can find out more about you and your products? Yeah, yeah, you bet. Um, our website is backcountryebikes.com. We're kind of, you know, we love that name. It was kind of where we started, but yep. we felt like we're, we're going to go start going through a rebranding to Baku. So it's B-A-K-C-O-U.com um, is going to okay. be um, our website and kind of our company name now. Okay. Baku. Uh, yeah. Baku. Yeah. It's kind mm-hmm. of, kind of our term that we're kind of, you know, kind of the extreme backcountry Baku. So yep. it's kind of fun. It's kind of, I like that. Uh, yeah. You know, so, but yeah, you can find us at, uh, on Instagram, you know, backcountry e-bikes, Facebook, you know, all that stuff. But the website is, is where we have everything. And, you know, we love, if anybody has any questions or anything, that's what we're trying to really focus on. And, and any help pointers, tips, we love getting emails about, you know, new technology or new ideas, things that are, someone might've seen, you know, we get a few of them every now and then and we're like, Oh wow, check this out. So, um, we're always trying to, you know, be the innovators and try to make things greater, yeah, elevate absolutely. the way we hunt. That's what we say. So, well, Dave, thanks again, and we're excited to talk to you. I mean, you guys mm-hmm. make some pretty awesome things, and uh, we're thankful for the time that you uh, gave to us tonight. You bet. I appreciate it. Yeah, and, and uh, thanks for having us on. And let's, yeah, let's plan a hunt. Let's get out, and we'll bring some bikes. And- absolutely, Wisconsin. Yeah. Let's do Wisconsin this year. <laughs> There's a lot of logging roads. We'll go up north, up north, classic okay. deer, deer camp. What what time of the year is usually the best up there? Is it first November though? We're thinking we're looking at first or second week of November. Mm-hmm. Their gun season, I think, is the third, which is pretty. Un- we're used to the gun season being on November fifteenth, mm-hmm. and which is kind yeah. of not always ideal for like a bow hunter because I feel like the rut can be pretty strong still at that time of year. But when gun season hits, you know, you it's, it's literally like a war zone out there on, on public land. Yeah. So going to Wisconsin, having that second week of November. Is intriguing to me, um, but either the first or second week, we're still kind of uh, making some plans. So cool, cool. Okay, well, um, I guess yeah. If we don't this year, let's let's yeah. Absolutely, next year. be a lot of fun. All right, well, Dave, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Everybody, thanks again for taking a listen to this episode. Head on over to our Instagram page to stay up to date on everything that we're doing. If you're feeling squirrely, go smash that subscribe button on wherever you're listening to this podcast. We appreciate it. And tell your friends that we are Hot Hot Boga. Hot Boga Hunting.com.